welcome to our program, The New Resilient You. You are joining us here in session three out of a five-part series for how to become more resilient, for how you can face the challenges of life and the curveballs that life throws at you in a way that is resilient, in a way that is strong, in a way that is hope-filled and in a way that doesn't fall down, break down and stay there. And so my name is Susie Botros and it's my privilege to journey with you over these sessions. You know, none of us like to experience that gut-wrenching experience of, you know, feeling down, feeling like we're out of control and where life's just throwing these arrows at us and we really just don't have the capacity to handle it or deal with it. These sessions are going to help you not only deal with the really challenging circumstances and curveballs and unpredictable things that come at you, but also the everyday stuff. So the principles and concepts that uh, we're learning here are for the everyday stuff, everything on the rector scale from one all the way through. And so today you're joining us as we have a look at reprogramming your thinking. And so firstly, let's have a look at what is emotional resilience? Emotional resilience is your ability to bounce back from life's challenges and avoid becoming a victim to your emotions and circumstances. And so before you think, well, you know what, I'm just such a pessimist. I'm, you know, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever years old. And, you know, my brain is just, oh, it's just such a mess. And I always lean towards a glass half empty. I want to encourage you because these sessions are for you too. These sessions are for anybody because the way that God has created us is so intricate and so beautiful. God has created us with the ability to build our resilience because our resilience is actually a muscle. And so much like we all have the capacity to develop our fitness and our fitness muscles, we also all have the ability to develop our resilience muscle. So stay with me, do the work, and you will see that the Holy Spirit will empower you and mobilise you to be that person who faces life with hope and with grit because that is who you were created to be. I love the quote that Peter Scazzaro makes in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It says, emotional health and spiritual health are inseparable. It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. How true, how true, because you see, God's plan for my life and yours is that we would develop holistically and become more like Jesus. When we're down and out, when we're in a heap, when we can't see past today, then it's really difficult for us to actually engage with God in a way that builds intimacy. It's difficult for us to actually um, believe his promises and trust in his word and trust that he's for us. It's difficult for us to, to, you know, do relationships well. It's difficult for us to get out there and be everything that God has created us to be. And so developing your resilience muscle plays out into every area of your life and helps you become more like Jesus. So if you want to get stronger, if you want to rise up from every um, arrow that comes at you, if you don't want to sit in your emotions for as long as you have been, then this is for you. As we said in the last session, we're uh, 
covering over the, the, the uh, rest of the sessions that we have four keys for emotional resilience. Last time we looked at redefining your values and we spoke about the fact that our values speak into and determine how we think because our values are the things that are important to us. They're our GPS system. They're the filter through which we think and make decisions. And so it makes sense that our values determine our thinking. We also spoke about the fact that our thinking actually determines our emotions and how we feel, right? So if I'm thinking that, um, you know, um, such and such person has been uh, looking at me funny lately, then I'm likely to feel a little bit nervous and a little bit paranoid around them because what we think feeds into how we feel. In the next session, we're looking at regulating your emotions. And then in the last session, we're looking at readjusting your behaviour. So based on our thinking and how we feel, what do we then do with that information? What do we then do as far as our behaviour is concerned? But in today's session, we're looking specifically at reprogramming our thinking. I love Romans 12 too, where it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I love that it's on God's radar for us. I love that the scripture tells us to actually reprogram our minds. And then I love that word then, then. It's almost therefore, as a result, as a result, then when you've reprogrammed your mind, then you'll be able to prove God's will. Because you see, when our thinking is aligned to God's will, when our thinking is aligned to Jesus, when we're when we're doing the hard work in terms of our thinking and we know what we're thinking and, you know, we're in agreement with our thinking, it is then that we're rational, that we're sober-minded, that we're discerning, then our thinking opens up the door to understanding and discerning God's perfect and pleasing will. And so the other beautiful thing about it is that God created you and I with an ability to actually reprogram our thinking. Our brains, neurologically speaking, non-Christians will tell you this. This is neuroscience, not Bible. Our brains are created in such a way that you and I can reprogram them. And over the next few moments, I'm going to help you work out how you can reprogram your mind so that you can become that resilient person that you want to become, so that you are not a victim to your thinking patterns and so that you can actually gain some control over your thought life. But firstly, let's just have a look at what are the types of thoughts that go on and where do they even come from? And so the voices in our head, they come from many influences. They come from our own self-dialogue, you know, where we're talking and we're thinking and we're, you know, going on and on about things. Our dialogue is part of our thinking. And that comes from our values, as we discussed in the last session, the things that are important to us, the things that we consider of value form our self-dialogue. Our experiences also form the voices in our head. You know what happened in the past. Historically, whatever it might be, our experiences form us and shape us. And so naturally then, they play into our thinking patterns as well. Other people, 
the things other people say, the things other people do, it's the, you know, the spoken and the, and the nonverbal as well. Other people's voices form part of the voices in our head. Have you ever been on the receiving end of someone who's actually said some really unkind things to you or questioned you unkindly or unfairly or, you know, the reverse is true as well. Have you ever been on the receiving end of someone who's spoken life out of you, who's someone who's, um, if someone who's, you know, spoken so much Jesus life, who's drawn out the inner Jesus from within you? That forms part of our thinking patterns as well. And if you're, you know, you've received one more than the other, then that'll be the prevalent voice. Then we've got the enemy. He has a voice in our head too. And so we want to be tuning in and listening so that we can discern and identify and distinguish the voices going on in our head. Then we've got God's voice, of course. And whilst we can look at that list and the, you know, the right answer seems like, oh yes, we want to make sure that it's only God's voice playing in our head. But the truth is, whilst we want to make sure that God's voice is playing in our head all the time, it's not about abolishing all the other voices because we can learn from them. It's those voices, the negative ones as well, that actually help us develop and grow and work out areas for improvement and develop the resilience muscle. And so imagine if everything was smooth sailing. Well, one, we'd never be able to, you know, we'd never have a little workshop, a life workshop, a real life workshop of how to develop resilience, would we? And so we want to be able to look at all of these voices, hear them and think about them so that we can decide which need to be reprogrammed. But you see, what actually happens is when we play a voice or when we reinforce information in our head over and over and over again, it creates what's called a neural pathway. Now, a neural pathway is pretty much um, a path that is created in your brain and mine that uh, responds in predictable ways in certain situations. It's programmed to respond like that. Let me give you an everyday, you know, an everyday example. But have you ever hopped into your car on the way home from work or somewhere familiar, driven home, come up the driveway and thought to yourself, did I take the back roads or did I take the freeway to get home? And for the life of you, you cannot actually recall what roads you took to get home. That's because you have a neural pathway going on in your head that is programmed and knows how to get you home without you thinking about it. The same thing applies in every area of our life. You see, if someone spoke something negative over you and you didn't actually assess that and reprogram that and you let it play over and over and over, what ends up happening over time is that it establishes a neural pathway and every time maybe you see that person or every time you're in a situation where they're around or where the situation looks really similar, you're going to have that voice going on in your head because you have a neural pathway in your brain that's been created as a result of reinforcement that just tells you how to think. So can you see how if that left unchallenged can actually put you and me at the jeopardy of being victims to whatever thoughts land in our head at any point in time? Thankfully, God created us 
in such a way that we can reprogram those voices in our head. We can reprogram our minds and create new neural pathways so that what we think and how we respond in future is different. And I'm going to show you how to do that. I want to pick up a story from the book of Numbers um, in Scripture, chapter 13. But before I go there, I just want to give you the back end story so that we can pick it up and, and have it come to life. But basically, it's the scene where Moses is talking to the Israelites. Now, these Israelites have been in slavery for 400 years. They have been waiting for a very long time to go to their promised land. Now, Moses has this opportunity to actually get them into Canaan, the promised land, and to free them from 400 long years of slavery. They're all walking in this direction. And so it's what they're expecting. It's what they're hoping for. And Moses lands this opportunity. And so what he's about to do is he's about to send 12 of them to the promised land to suss it out. And so he chooses 12. Uh, They are actually uh, 12 spies, as you might know the story. It's referred to as the 12 spies. 12 spies, essentially they're 12 leaders from 12 different tribes. And they're going to head out to Canaan. They're going to stay there for a while with the pure objective of try before you buy. They are there to suss out this land. So he says to them, Now go there. I want you to look for what are the people like? What are the opportunities like? What's it like to harvest there? How big is it? You know, whatever. And he sends them out with all these things to suss out. He also says to them, and come back with some crops. So we can sort of, you know, sample it and get a really good idea. So where we're about to pick up this story is where they've already gone to Canaan and the scripture tells us it's known to be the land flowing with milk and honey and they've just returned these 12 men representing 12 different tribes and here's their rundown of the situation and it says this Numbers 13 starting from verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days the men returned and gave Moses and the whole community this account. They said We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. So they bought back some fruit um, for, you know, for people to taste test and do the whole try before you buy. But they said, the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. But then Caleb Caleb was one of the 12. Actually, Caleb and Joshua were. Caleb gets up and he's just sitting there thinking, huh? And so the scripture says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, hey guys, I reckon that we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But then the men who had gone up with him responded to Caleb and said this, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said to them, the land we just explored devours those living in it. So can you see how it's going from bad to worse? All the people we saw there are of great size. 
We saw the uh, Nephilim there. We were so small. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Can you hear this? Caleb and Joshua were amongst the 12 men that went out. Caleb and Joshua are thinking, what are you guys on about? It seemed perfect to us. What was the problem? But 10 of them gave a report that it was scary, that they seemed intimidated there, that everyone there is huge and scary and big and tall and that they seemed like grasshoppers in comparison. In fact, they even went one step further and concluded that Everyone else in Canaan thought that they were grasshoppers. They had believed their own negative interpretation. And so the scripture tells us that they were devastated. The people were devastated, the Israelites listening to this. And what I'm drawn to in that is the verse that says, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report. So 10 of them say, give a bad report and say that it's scary. You know, we seem um, so tiny like grasshoppers. All those people are so frightening. We should never go there. Joshua and Caleb say otherwise. But the crowds gravitate to the negative thinking, to the negative report. Why is it that negativity, why is it that negative thinking seems to, to have this compelling power to pull people to it? Why is it? And I think sometimes I wonder whether negativity is actually so obnoxious and it's, it's so nagging that it just pulls us in. But the scripture tells us that the people believed the report of those 10 men and they wept all night, the scripture says. They wept all night. And so Caleb and Joshua get up and they're like, come on, guys, this is ridiculous. What are you even talking about? Those people wouldn't harm a fly. I reckon we should go out there. Do you know what the Israelites did? Instead of getting excited, instead of going, wow, this is our breakthrough. We're going to go with what Joshua and Caleb say and we're going to ignore that negative report. Instead of getting up and going, wow, this is everything we've been praying for. You know what they say? They decide that they think it's a better idea to sack Moses because he's got no idea and he's like, you know, taking them up the garden path. Amazing, amazing that negativity can be so powerful. And I think in my mind and your mind too, negative thoughts are so compelling. But for those who decided to believe the report of the 10 men, they went back to slavery, them and their generations. But Joshua and Caleb they took their tribes into Canaan and they entered into prosperity. They entered into their promised land. They entered into freedom because they chose to see and think with discernment, with rational minds. They chose to look at the situation clear-mindedly, spirit-led, and decide, what do I want to think about this? And so my question for you is when you've been sitting in your rut and when you've been sitting in negativity for a long time, 
And where someone says, hey, I have an idea how you can actually work with that negative thought. Do you just think, well, I've been here for such a long time, you know, it's, it looks so scary over there, it's so unknown, I'd rather just stay here. Or are you like, you know, hanging and going, yes, I want to be that person that reprograms my mind because then I will know the good and perfect will of God. And so I pray that the Spirit would stir up within you right now a tenacity, a hope, a boldness, a hunger, a real FOMO to be that person that says, take me with you. Show me how to reprogram my mind. Take me into the land of freedom. Take me into Canaan. And so with that said, I want to leave you with four tips as to how you can reprogram your thinking. Firstly, reflect. Secondly, review. Three, release and four, replace. And I want to unpack those one by one now. Firstly, reflect. Reflect on the thinking that's going on in your head. Think about it. The word metacognition means thinking about your thinking. And we want to develop this muscle where we begin to think about our thinking. We're tuning in. We're getting a little bit insular. We're not just letting thoughts land all the time but we're actually in tune. We know who's coming in and who's going out. You see, you and I are meant to be the gatekeepers over our own mind. So think about your thoughts. Tune into them. Know what they are. Become familiar with the dialogue. Be able to tune into your patterns and your tendencies. Think about your thinking. Reflect. Because you see, you can't change something unless you know what it is, right? So the first step is to reflect and know what your thoughts are. Secondly, is to review. Ask yourself the question, where is this thought coming from? Where is it coming from? Is it coming from the fact that you spent, you know, um, a three years in church and no one spoke to you and you didn't make any friends and so now you're in this new environment and you going off that prior experience and thinking well that's just me no one ever wants to make friends with me and where's the thinking coming from where is it coming from review your thinking review your thinking three release the thoughts Release the thoughts. Once you've identified what the thought is and when you know where it's coming from, you can then begin to speak with it and dialogue with it, right? It's at that point that you work out, do I need to do something with this thought? Do I need to speak to it differently? Do I need to address it differently? Do I need to learn from it? Do I just need to, you know, park that and know that it's there and be conscious of it? Or do I need to release it? Some thoughts just need to be released. You see, if a fly lands on your nose, you have the prerogative to shoo that away, right? Thoughts are like that. Just because a thought lands in your head doesn't mean that it's your thought, that it's, it defines you, that it's true, it could be a lie, it could be unsubstantiated. It could be coming from fear or, uh, or you know, um, prior experiences or whatever it might be. But when you need to release a thought, think of it like a bad tenant wanting to stay at your place for free, ongoingly, without any boundaries whatsoever. And get decisive with that thought. Say, no, sorry, you're not welcome here. 
You don't live here. You don't belong here. I haven't given you permission to stay. And so you are evicted and literally choose to release that thought. Now, it is going to be obnoxious. It is going to choose to stay. It is going to want to fight you because it's, you know, it's cold out there for that poor old thought. But you need to stand your ground and resist it. There's a tension, but you will resist it as you try. So be the gatekeeper over your mind. And the fourth tip is to replace. So you know what it is. You know where it's coming from. You've chosen to to release it, but then you want to replace it with a healthier thought. A thought that, you know, says, no, I am loved despite the way my partner disrespects me. No, I am worthy despite the fact that I, um, you know, wasn't invited to that party. I am financially smart despite the fact that that last credit card bill was too high and I'd overspent. I am. Replace your thoughts with truths. What does God say about you? What do you know to be true? What do you know to be true about yourself and replace your negative thoughts with new thoughts over the course of time? As you keep repeating your thoughts over and over again, your new thoughts, you will eventually create new neural pathways that set you up for new default systems in future. And so research tells us that it takes 28 days to create a new neural pathway. Keep repeating that thought over and over three times a day, six times a day, write it on the palm of your hand, write it on a postcard that you pop up on your mirror every morning. Be diligent with repeating new thoughts and over time you will replace your neural pathways into more effective, more Jesus-like, more resilient thoughts that will actually set you up for resilient responses when your thought life tries to knock you down, when it tries to um, to condemn you, when it tries to belittle you, you can come back at it with new thoughts and over time they will become your actual pathways. I love in the book of Philippians, Uh, chapter 4 and verse 8. Now, this is the amplified version and it says this. You see, the Bible is full of so many truths about how you and I ought to think and what we ought to fill our mind with. And so it says this, whatever is true, whatever is honourable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things and centre your mind on them. Thank God that he created us with what science terms as neuroplasticity, the ability to reshape and remould our brain, the ability to catch thoughts and reprogram them into more effective thoughts that set us up for resilience and strength and boldness and victory and breakthrough and hope. And so I pray that this session has blessed you and I pray that it mobilises you. But be sure to go back over the content, get your head around it, get your teeth into it and get stuck into it and be empowered and mobilised by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.